When we share someone's story here on The Diaries, the episode might end, but their story doesn't. So many of the people we've talked to, they've gone on to do incredible things. They have epic adventures and make significant impacts in our community. Over on Diaries Plus, we're catching up with some of our former guests to see what they've been up to. I recently sat down with Connor Ryan, a Lakota professional skier from our Sacred Slopes episode, who's been knocking out groundbreaking projects ever since the episode aired. It's really incredible. We had a great discussion about the impacts he's made, what keeps his fire burning, and taking ski lessons as a pro skier. Here's a snippet of the conversation. All the source of joy that I use to fill my cup to be out in the world doing positive things comes from my relationship to the outdoors. And so I've really focused on like, wow, like there's so much power if I can give one person the relationship to the outdoors that that I have through skiing. And maybe that will have as profound of an effect on them as it's had on me. To listen to the full episode, use the link in the show notes to subscribe to Diaries Plus today. Yeah, you get more shows, but you also have a peace of mind of powering what's out there right now, keeping us moving forward, keeping this community together. So thank you for everyone who supported and everyone who's going to support. We appreciate it. I play the last note, snap the book of Beethoven sonatas shut, and look up at the sky. Yep, it's time to go. Closing the lid over the keys, I bid my treasured instrument goodbye. The piano my grandmother bought over 50 years ago, and which still lives on my great-grandfather's ranch in northwest Colorado. I fill up my water bottle, grab my mountain bike, and point myself in the direction of the old homestead, 12 miles up the hill from the ranch. I'm stationed here for the summer, helping my family build things and fix the things I built badly, and I just have a mountain bike for transportation. The homestead cabin itself has too many temperature swings to house a piano year-round, so I rode down to the ranch for a few hours of practice. When I make my first turn into a neck-bending headwind, I know I have lingered too long. It's 7 p.m., and the dry heat of the day turns over restlessly. The blue of the mountains is no longer distinguishable from the sky. It stoops and blankets the landscape in rain. I turn onto the gravel road and focus on my first landmark destination, the squished porcupine at mile five. One pedal stroke at a time. The land I'm riding through looks about the same as it did back in 1907. That's when my great-grandfather, one of the first homesteaders in the Elkhead Valley, set up camp with his cattle. It's a raw kind of beautiful. Sagebrush prickles up from gaps in the dirt, antelope congregate on the lee side of hills, and oak brush freckle the pale green of the horizon. In the distance, the blue peaks of California Park nod towards Wyoming. The skies go on forever, and the ground below them opens its cracked lips and pleads for a few drops of rain. My dad spent most of his childhood here, between the homestead, the ranch, and nomadic sheep camp. He became the third generation to discover that in order to know the true beauty of this land, you must also know its hardship. I remember many years where we worked incredibly hard irrigating and haying and running sheep 
uh, and find out at the end that we'd either not made any money or we'd lost money. And, and it was shocking to me. That's my dad, Reed. I talked to him on the porch of the homestead as the sun goes down. Out here, he learned, as his predecessors discovered before him, and as he taught his children later, you don't get anything without working for it. And although my brothers and I didn't grow up irrigating or running sheep, my dad made sure we didn't get off scot-free. I sought always to design trips that were inherently impossible. So adventures in my family, as you can imagine, were not typical. In fact, many of them we now refer to affectionately as death marches. How do you define what a death march means in our family? It means a fun family excursion planned by Reed. This is me talking to my little brother, Tilden. And yes, we call our dad Reed for purposes of family equality. If he got to call us by our names, we got to call him by his. He doesn't believe in power hierarchies. My older brother, Levin, remembers these adventures fondly as Overcoming horrific adversity with no food. And according to Tilden, this is how you know when an adventure has become a death march. Hallucinations. Suicidal thoughts. (laughs) Homicidal thoughts. Cannibalistic thoughts. Read. Thinking that a five-year-old can ski 20 miles through knee-deep powder, which for a five-year-old happens to be nipple-deep powder. (laughs) Five-year-old being name of Tilden. Now, if you thought for a second that being the musical child in this rugged and athletic family would spare me the pains of physical exertion and death marches, think again. The piano, as it turns out, has only been further fuel for my dad's inventive adventures. You see, his mother played piano her whole life. The same piano I biked to to practice today, after long cattle drives and shoveling rattlesnakes off the homestead porch. So of course, my dad's mind, music, and adventure are intertwined. And as I madly pedal away from the ranch now, thunder echoing around me and Beethoven pounding in my ears, I know they are for me too. I tighten my grip on the handlebars and pump my feet on the pedals. Let's go legs, this is going to be a race. Let's go, Cord. This is going to be a race. My father's voice rings through my memory as I bow my helmet into the onslaught of rain. The landscape grows distant in my eyes as I remember the last piano fiasco, the one that happened a few years ago in the dead of winter. One of my father's death marches to the core. It began in the same place I'm biking to now, the homestead in Colorado. But this time, it was December. I was happily nested on the couch reading Harry Potter. A glaring mistake because the appearance of comfort is the surest precursor to death marches. It was nine degrees outside, the snow banked up against the house, ski and snowshoe imprints winding into the soft blue light of the endless hills. Reed and I had been all over that morning, climbing ridges and skidding down, tickling elk out of the oak brush, and marveling at the expanse of sparkling snow which I guess was my justification for sitting by the fire for a few sacred hours as the sun began to set. My dad started whistling, 
that was the first bad sign. Then walking around the cabin and straightening things, the second. When he tromped up the ladder, rummaged around in the loft and hollered down at me, Oh, cord! I knew it was over. Some ridiculous idea had sprouted in his brain. Negotiation was futile. All hope of rationality lost. Mm-hmm, I replied, tensing my grip on Harry Potter as if I might will my body to drop through the pages straight into Hogwarts. There's a keyboard up here. I think you could use this in Maine, don't you? Maine, where I went to college. And the keyboard, a 90-pound, full-on, weighted key thing, which, when the sun and the wind gave us enough electricity, I would plug in to practice my repertoire. I mean, I guess, I replied reluctantly. But Reed, I can come get it in the spring when we can drive in, instead of skiing this thing ten miles into town. His reply was the sound of ropes uncoiling, tarps unfolding, and an unnecessary number of bangs emanating from the floorboards above me. I gave one last forlorn glance at my book, dog-eared the page, and sighed. If that man died single-handedly skiing my keyboard out of the mountains in a final display of his devotion, I don't think I'd be able to touch a piano ever again. Half an hour later, we clipped our boots into our skis. My dad wore the hip strap to the giant orange sled, the keyboard cradled in blankets and tarps within. I was the designated breaker, bungee corded to the back of the sled to make sure it didn't plow over my dad and kill him as we sailed down our harrowing lane. The keyboard devoured the banks of snow around our skinny ski tracks as we set off to make the most of the last few hours of daylight. On the uphills, I would skitter around my dad and attach my bungee cords to him, a contraption that we affectionately refer to in my family as the poor man's tandem. It's been used mostly on grueling bike rides for many other Zarzian adventures. As the afternoon light dimmed, the temperature dropped. Although our dark green kickwax was performing valiantly, we were losing glide. Our steps became more of frantic chopping motions than anything graceful, and we cinched our buffs over our mouths. It was the kind of cold that tore at the inside of your throat and lungs. We traded off strapping into the sled, just trying to go fast enough and work hard enough to keep our sweat from freezing. Ice crystals formed beards around our mouths, and our eyelashes drooped with ice beads like oversized Christmas lights on a tree. The sun went down, and we switched on our headlamps. As my dad skied along gleefully in front of me, as if this was the happiest day of his life, I clamped my jaw and swore to myself this would be the last time I ever exercised. The nearing electrical storm flashes me back to the present. I'm reminded that that winter adventure was not, in fact, the last day I would ever exercise, and I'm gasping my way up the continental divide in flight of a thunderstorm. I sprint the last pitch to the top and fling myself onto the downhill. Rain beats down on my face and my arms, and for a moment I'm not sure if it's raining or hailing. I don't know where the lightning is. I can hear it, I can feel it, and it's terrifying. And yet, there is something about it that is nothing short of joy. Something about the thrill of this dance with nature, the unbuckled beauty of the sky, 
the music of the clouds and the thunder and of my heart pounding. It reminds me who I am, who my family has been for generations. And in this intense and often hostile landscape, what the piano has meant to us all. You know, my mother was a wonderful pianist. And <clears throat> she would uh, play, generally Beethoven, every night. When I tell my dad I got caught in a thunderstorm biking to play her piano, he tells me we're coming full circle. She also liked the, the excitement, the adventure, the uncertainty, the danger uh, of this place, too. The rattlesnakes, the lightning. And her love for music comes, as I think does mine, from that embrace of danger and all the emotions nature holds. The fearlessness that she had allowed her uh, the widest scope of appreciation, I think, of, of human emotions, and those were best expressed by Beethoven. You just think back to all of those so-called death marches. How many times have you retold them? Now, I know that some of them have been told uh, in an order to bring your father, your leader, <laughs> down a notch or two, and you regale in that, of course. But what are the important memories in your life? They are many of them. I would, is that true? Yeah, death well, marches. Death marches, uh, uh, challenges where we surmounted the impossible. We blame my dad for most of the bad things that happened to us because he taught us never to be afraid. When my little brother ruined his dirt bike trying to cross a river, he said it was Reed's fault. Reed told me I could do anything if I put my mind to it. But it's my dad and his death marches. We credit when the good stuff happens, too. When our strength makes the mountains seem a little smaller, the daunting miles disappear, and the vertical faces of life emerge with footholds and grips when we imagine and dare to climb. As my older brother Levin put it, I just feel like I understand what I can do better. And I think a lot of people are never actually tested that way, so they never actually truly know where their limit is. But in our family, we don't have that problem. We were always pushed far enough to know the raggedy edge of Raggedy Ann to get there. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's fair to say, when we feel the soul of the earth sing below us and run to sing along, it's Reed's voice we hear in our ears. Let's go, kids. This is going to be a race. And as I sail headlong down the hill, Towards the homestead, my sunglasses streaming with rain, my chest heaving back and forth over the handlebars. All I can do is laugh. I'm Cordelia Zars, and this is my short.
The Diaries is made possible by the good people at Patagonia. We want to send our love. Some of you may know this, but Ventura, California was hit by wildfires uh, in the beginning of December, and many people were forced to evacuate and homes were lost. And uh, many of our friends down at Patagonia, you know, they had to they had to run from their homes in the middle of the night. And that's something that, you know, we feel for you, we're thinking of you, and we just want to send our love to all the people that we work with at Patagonia. Thank you for all you do for our community. And if there's a way we can help, please let us know. Additional support comes from Kuad Racks. This holiday season, if you're looking for a rad gift for a cyclist in your life, visit kuatracks.com and check out their lineup of burly, good-looking roof racks and hitch racks. Kuat, because you love your bike. And support also comes from Boston Brewing. If you're in the Richmond, Virginia area, stop by their beautiful taproom and try a pint of their new bourbon-smoked farmhouse. It's barrel-aged over three months in Kentucky bourbon barrels. That sounds pretty darn good. Otherwise, you can follow them on social media at Voss and Brewing. Support for the Diaries comes from you. Usually, this is the part of the show where we ask you to pledge your support for the Diaries, but right now, we've got our Bearsers education Kickstarter going. And, good news, we completed our goal of $100,000, which means we'll be able to purchase land in a building for Friends of Cedar Mesa. Pretty rad. The drive continues, though, because we've been able to raise so much money, both during the Kickstarter and outside of the Kickstarter, we are on to funding the renovation and the build out of the new visitor center. So go to our website, check it out. Um, we need you more than ever. Trump announced that they would be reducing the monument by 85%. A huge thank you to Cordelia and Tilden, Levin and Reed for sharing their story. Cordelia has joined the Dirtbag Diaries team and you'll be hearing more from her over the coming months. We're stoked to have you on board. Music today from John Armistead, Dr. Turtle, and Beethoven, performed by Cordelia herself. The tracks are courtesy of Free Music Archive. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was written and edited and scored by Cordelia Zars and produced by Jen Altzel, Becca Call, and me, Fitzka Hall. You have been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in.